Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and I uh, hope you guys had a great Easter weekend. If you celebrate that, hope you had a great weekend, regardless of what you celebrate. Um, hopefully you got out somewhere to see some great racing, or maybe you stayed home and watched the stuff at Bristol. Of course, we're going to cover all of the Bristol stuff on the show. Plus, we'll talk about the Bad Bunny or the Rotten Egg Enduro that we had over at New Smyrna. That was an interesting night, all things considered, but even that was um, not where it's supposed to be. It might have been the last Bad Bunny. Who knows? We'll see what they decide to do going forward. Uh, But we'll have our recaps of New Smyrna. We'll have our recaps of Bristol. Plus, we'll go around the state and talk about the tracks that raced this weekend. And... We'll shift our focus up north to the New Hampshire Motor Speedway where they ran some uh, late model and modified type uh, short track style shows on the big one mile track over there. And uh, the reason this was on my radar, first of all, I follow the American Canadian Tour slash Thunder Road series pretty closely as that's where I grew up and I still keep an eye on everything over there. And uh, seeing that they were racing at New Hampshire kind of piqued my interest. And then um, on the second half of the show, we'll talk about the big accident that happened over there involving one of our former Super Late Model champions of the World Series. So plenty of good things to talk about on this week's show. Um, you know, last week I was pretty mad. I got a lot of comments from you guys who listened um, through various uh, channels. Man, you guys, you totally understood my frustration and you supported it, uh, you know, it, because you see where I'm coming from. I had one one person message me, hey, just listen to your podcast. You're going to get fired. You know, I took that risk because if they're going to fire me over being honest, then, I mean, why are we trying? There, there's no need to cover it up. Last week, you know, two weeks ago was not a good show, and there's room for improvement. So I said what I had to say, and I got that off my chest, and I feel a lot better. And uh, I'm not going to do as much complaining this week. I'm just going to kind of cover things. I'll give my opinions here and there, but I'm not going not gonna to complain about it. It is what it is. So let's get into um, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing here. And uh, first of all, must thank our great sponsors, American Auto, and our friends over at One Twenty Four Welding and Fabrication for their continued support. Those are our two anchor sponsors at the moment. And um, you know, I, I love it when I when I see Ron over uh, over at the track from time to time, and he says, you know. People, people tell me they hear you talking about 124 welding and fab all the time. And, um, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. You, if you want to support the show, then, you know, I'm going to do my, my part and, uh, and get that out there. So appreciate Ron and 124 welding and fab. And of course, EJ over at American auto. And, um, you know, the, I got on American auto's radar because I was talking tires and it's, you know, say what you want about the tires too expensive this and that so-and-so sets the price so-and-so does this and that you know it, it is what it is but uh ej's turned that tire room into a, a pretty nice place to go it used to just be a, a little cover and a bunch of tires laying around and now there's some organization to it and i'm telling you come summertime um whether you go over there to buy tires or not it might be a good place to go escape the heat for a little bit and of course you can get your tires and hopefully things will calm down with these tire prices and these tire shortages, I just, I, I hope that we can manage it to get through the year. Um, I, I understand that there's a lot of people that probably aren't racing right now because of the tire deal, but, uh, don't, don't take that out on EJ. Um, you know, he's doing the best he can with the tough hand that he's been dealt. So, uh, of course, if you need anything done to your vehicle, your street vehicle, head over to American auto and they will take care of you. 
All right. Bad Bunny Enduro. That wasn't an Enduro. Sorry. 16 cars does not qualify as an Enduro. It was a Bomber B100 where the cautions, um, where the caution flag never came out. We just stopped the race. Um, you know, for for a 16-car race like that with Enduro-style, it, it basically, okay, so it was a Bomber B race with Enduro-style rules is what it was. Um, it, it had its dull moments, but I, I feel like most Enduros do because you could start 100 cars and you're going to weed out, you know, 25 to 40% of the field really early. And then, you know, you, you'll get, couple of guys that just storm away from everybody and um yeah there, there's always a lull there was definitely a lull in this one and we all knew it was going to happen with the the short field you know 30 percent of the field was out by lap 10 so there you go um but it did have some moments the the josh cole who was driving the the general pumpkin the uh the the dodge caravan that was painted orange like the general lee and we called him the general pumpkin or the great pumpkin or just the pumpkin i couldn't keep it straight but um he he made, he stole the show. You know, he came out there. He knew he was going to win, but he came out there and had fun, and, and the crowd loved it. So uh, that that's part of what matters in an enduro. Uh, he spun the thirty-two car on like lap two, and they had a duel all night long. They were more focused on each other than the actual race. Um, so kudos to Josh Cole for coming out and putting on a show. Steven was out there in the old Buick. Uh, thanks to Shane Satoris. Big thank you. Big shout out to Shane. He came and picked that car up, straightened it out, got it in race ready condition for steven to go out and put in the wall uh the whole goal was to not bring that car back to my carport and uh, it is no longer running thank god steven ran god i think it was about half the race a little more than half the race before he lost it in turn three and and uh, pounded the outside wall luckily he was okay his car sat down there the rest of the the race and he was talking to tyler jewer throughout the day and uh, they were able to get the car running again for the demolition derby so tyler finished off the buick in the in the derby uh, Steven did a pretty good job killing it as far as it being able to race again. And then, and then Tyler put it out in the demo derby and finished her off. So, um, the death of the Buick has come and thank God we are, we're, we're happy to have it gone, but Steven's ready to get himself an armadillo car. So he's, he's got the racing bug. That's for sure. Um, so those were a couple of the notable things, but Zach Curtis was the man to beat as we all kind of expect when, when Zach shows up, of course, William Hyman was there, but his car didn't last it, had rear end issues and William's pretty good at these things. Well, if William does the armadillo, he'll be a competitor for sure. Um, but yeah, Zach came out in his Cadillac and kind of spanked everybody. Travis Sukup did a great job in his Pontiac G6 to stay on the lead lap. Um, there just wasn't enough cars and or obstacles to mix it up. Once the leaders kind of got on their, got, got in their space and got separated, um, there was no catching anybody. There, there just wasn't enough calamity to really change the race. No one was bold enough to spin Zach out. I was rooting for it, not because I rooting against Zach, but for pure entertainment. Um, just that eh, didn't happen. It just it was what it was. But uh, you know, uh, here's my thing with it with the with the bad bunny and, and why I think it failed. Um, limiting what can race in an enduro is just it's an ingredient for getting a bad field. And I get it. Uh, for safety's sake, you want to run the bigger cars with the bigger cars. Um, but, I mean, we ran the Strictly Stocks at New Smyrna for years and years and years where you could run big cars versus little cars. It didn't matter. Um, you know, if you don't feel safe, you don't enter a car without a roll cage. That's basically how I look at it. Um, 
But no, I, I get it because you don't want anything bad to happen. So, hey, if you're going to do six and eight cylinders only, that's fine. But try to find a way to get, like I said two weeks ago, just try to find a way to get as many cars out there as possible. Because 16 cars is not an enduro. It's just a race. Um, hell, I'd take 16 cars for a bomber B race any day, but it just wasn't an enduro. Um, I know Zach Curtis had some ideas. He wants to kind of help promote the Armadillo if they do it. Uh, I guess there's an asterisk by it now if they're going to do it or not because this event didn't get the participation in the Enduro or the Demolition Derby. Um, I think the Demolition Derby is a waste of time too. Um, You only had three guys coming out to do it. It's just for that much money, that's just not what you want. Um, You know, I'll say it again. Kudos to Zach Curtis. Um, The rules... You're not going to keep Zach Curtis at bay regardless of what rules package or what limitations you have. Zach is going to find the top-of-the-line thing that qualifies, and he does his due diligence to make sure that it qualifies. He told us what he had, and it fit the rules, so he got the race. And he will do that, whether it's four-cylinder, six-cylinder, eight-cylinder, truck, minivan. He will find the best possible thing because... You know, I I was joking with him, like, man, we need to put you in a minivan. He goes, Ryan, I want to come out here and win this damn thing. You know, I ain't here to just be here. I want to win this thing. And you cannot fault the man if that is his goal, if that is his mission. So, you know, yeah, Zach Curtis wins a lot of Enduros. Well, guess what? Other Enduro competitors, if you're sick of it, do what Steve Riles did and try to take him out. It's an Enduro. Encouragement on the, you know, crashing. That's what the fans come to these events to see. You know, don't hurt anybody. Don't don't be malicious with it. But, you know, if you're tired of Zach Curtis winning, it's like I don't understand why the the Xfinity guys when they're racing Kyle Busch don't race him a little bit harder and put him in the wall a couple of times, keep him back. Um, anyways, I, I just, if if we do the Armadillo, open the freaking rules up and let us promote it early, get Zach on board. Hell, Chuck Rush has extended his olive branch and no one's taken him up on it. I, I know Mo has been mentioned as, to help out, but yet we just continue as a track. And I do my best with what I can on social media and, and Kenny helps with the outreach. But, you know, I, I'm not I'm not in a position to be to, to reach out to all these people and be like, hey, come to our thing. I'm just not. I do what I can on, on the computer and that's what I can do. Uh, we got to get somebody who's not just going to sit in the office and just, okay, throw the gates open and let's go. We got to get somebody active in recruiting to get drivers out here. They may not even know this is going on because they don't follow New Smyrna or, you know, the various demo derby pages on Facebook because there's more outreach aside Facebook. And we got to, we got to tap into that market a little bit. So, um, and now with New Smyrna, it's going to scare some people off there. The intimidation factor is real. Um, there are people that just don't want to be at New Smyrna that would, typically go to Citrus or these other places because they would rather hold a grudge than just shut the hell up and come take the money. Um, and that's fine. Th- those people are probably better off at home. Um, and they know, you know exactly who I'm talking about and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I just, if, if we do the armadillo, make it four, six cylinders, trucks, SUVs, minivans, screw it. If it's four, six or eight cylinder, you can find six-cylinder cars that are big that can come squish a little four-cylinder. But yet, you know, we're worried about eight-cylinders squishing a four-cylinder. It's it's just silly. Just, it, it should just be run what you brung. And what you want to do is find a tire 
with a limited tread wear that, that is going to wear out to where if you have one of these big high-powered cars, you have to manage your tires. Tire management is how you really equalize the field in an enduro on a track like New Smyrna that has a lot of load in the corners. Um, we didn't really have many tire issues except the minivan, but that's my whole point. You put them all on equal tires, say, hey, you know, you can't run this, this brand, and this brand tires. Um, keep it, you know, keep it equal on these tires and let the field, because, man, one of the best armadillos we had, William Hyman spanking the field, had a flat tire and it opened it up to the rest of the field and it was awesome. Like that moment changed the whole game. And that's what we should be focused on. Get the cars out there, get the people involved. Because uh, people do want to be involved all of the spectator race that had 11 participants. Holy crap, we almost had as many spectator racers than we did enduro cars. In 602s, got to give the 602s a big shout out. They brought like 11 or 10 cars and they wrecked a couple in practice, but, you know, they, they had a good turnout for this event and they raced for nothing. And congratulations to Rob Schultz on the victory. Um, and uh, like I said, Demolition Derby was kind of meh. Uh, 602s put on a great race. It, it really was a good race between Bud McIntyre and Rob Schultz. The Enduro was, it was okay. It had some cool moments. The crowd seemed to like it. So as long as the crowd's happy, then good. Uh, Demo Derby, meh. Spectator race was awesome. The crowd loved that. I had a lot of fun with that, as I always do. It's one of my favorite events to announce. Um, this is the kind of event where, look, I can take racing seriously all day, but this is the kind of event where I can just go up there and have fun. And I was a little like, oh my God, the people are going to be so disappointed when they get here. But forget it. I had to turn that switch off in my brain and just go up there and be myself and have fun. And I, and I did that and, and, and had fun with the night, had fun watching the Buick not make it back. Um, you know, had fun talking to Zach Curtis at Victory Lane. Um, the Powder Puff race was, was entertaining. Uh, Christian Satoris and uh, Alicia Sukup put on a pretty good show there. Uh, it, it, it was a fun night for what it was, but it could be miles and miles and miles and better. So hopefully if they run the Armadillo, we'll get that thing a little bit better and we'll have more fun with it. But anyways, that event is is coming gone. We're getting ready for we're getting ready to go back real racing. And I'm I'm excited for this weekend. We have the Sunbelt Super Late Model series returning for the first time. The David Rogers Super Late Models will go 100 laps and do some run of this weekend. However, here's where I'm gonna go on a rant. There are three effing tracks running super late models this weekend. WTF. God damn it, man. Oh, that's so frustrating. And I know I'm going to get flamed because, well, New Smyrna moved their race. Yeah, we did. And we moved it right on top of Auburndale's to win 50. So we already shot ourselves in the foot. And then out of nowhere, because I don't understand, I don't understand what's going on over at Showtime. It's like they just post on Facebook. Oh, it's like, what are you drawing names out of a hat and just putting up what's racing? Like, I can't find a schedule. Maybe I'm, I, if I'm missing it, I apologize. But they are running super late models too. I knew about Auburndale's and I sent it to Holly. And her response is, those guys don't come here anyways. I fucking hate that response. You should, well, why aren't they? Find out why and get them over here. Figure it out. Let's get these guys going. I hate that. So now you have Auburndale and Showtime, which is about an hour away from each other. So they're going to split cars probably. And now those guys that live down that way have two opportunities to go somewhere else that's way closer to home than coming to New Smyrna. So the chances of those guys coming over here are gone. Uh, it's just, it's gone. And we're looking at guys, uh, uh, being real with you. One, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven cars, eight cars, maybe that I know of that might be there. Um, Brad May, Mike Garrett, JD McClary, Brian Finney, Jeff Schofield, Jared Allison, and Chuck Perkins are the cars that I know. Maybe Bobby Good, maybe a couple of other random show ups, maybe like a Jake Finch out of the blue. But man, this is the start of the brand new revamped Sunbelt series, and I don't even have 10 cars to tell you about here on a Thursday afternoon. Not looking good. I know it's not about car count. Jeff Schofield and Brad Mayo put on a hell of a show for you. I know that much, but God damn, just can't get the cars out, and it's disappointing. I want this series. There's only six super late model races, including the Governor's Cup, and New Smyrna this year, and we're not going to get... I mean, if you don't have more than 12 cars, it's a failure. Then the the points are just... It's garbage. Um, the, the points race is going to be between Brad May and Jeff Schofield if they race all the races. I mean, you can already tell where this is going. Maybe we get a surprise and I'll eat crow. I will eat crow if I need to eat crow. But judging by the looks of things and the fact that I have exactly zero official registrations on our website, it just, it the, the lights are there. They're blinking in my face. And I'm telling you this because I don't want it to be this way. Not that I'm not going to go Saturday and enjoy what we get. And, you know, announce a race. But damn it, man, it's just frustrating because I know that going with the Sunbelt series and something had to be done. The the 50 lap super late model races were a waste of time. And this I, I'm on board with this six pack series. I think it's great. But why are we not getting cars for it? Why? I mean, these are the same guys that I knew were coming originally uh, when the race got rained out a couple of weeks ago. And they're, you're telling me there's nobody new. Nobody else has shown interest in wanting to run this. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're there and they just haven't registered because, well, it's not a requirement to pre-register. I appreciate those that pre-register because I got a shit ton of bombers. I got a shit ton of super stocks. I got a crap ton of ground pounders. E-mods are, are solid as well, but I can't find any Superlay models to talk about beside Brad May and Mike Garrett and Jeff Schofield and J.D. McClary. Why? Why is that? I don't know. I'm scratching my brain trying to figure it out. I don't know. It's frustrating. It is what it is. We'll make the best of it. Showtime will probably have 8 to 10. Uh, Auburndale, hands off to them. They have a great field of super late model drivers. They have done these twin 50s like about once a month for like the last half a year. And they get like 16 to 20 cars. But here is my biggest concern and why I got so mad when I saw three tracks running super late models and why I just knew that we were already buried. And it's because Citrus, one of the top-running facilities right now as far as their weekly program goes, they ran super late models last week. And only 16, we'll talk about this on the second half of the show, but only 16 cars showed up. And it's just like, wow, that that says a lot right there. Uh, Let me just make sure I have that count correct. Yeah, 16. 16 super late models. And I get it, you have a, a... a select group that only runs at this track and a select group that only runs at this track. But none of those guys now, none of these guys on this this uh, 16 car, none of them are coming to New Smyrna. Just looking at the list, none of them are coming. If they do, it'll be a surprise. So anyways, I, I'm hoping we get 10 to 12. Realistically, I think it'll be 7 to 8. Just being real. And I, and I hope it's a great race. Maybe something crazy will happen and we'll get a surprise. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to try to be optimistic, right? But, I mean, here's here's the thing about me. I'm not going to go 
I'm not going to go play my flute and jump around and come out and see the best race in the world if it's just not going to be the best thing in the world. So if you want super late models this week, maybe you go to Auburndale. Maybe you see the twin races. Maybe you're closer to showtime, so you'll go there. Maybe you'll make the pilgrimage to New Smyrna because the Bombers are going 50 laps, and they're going to have 20-plus cars. And shit on me all you want for talking about the Bombers. At least they show up and put on a race and give me something to talk about. So, yeah, I talk about them. And I don't give... I don't. I really don't give a crap. You know, Ryan talks about the bombers all the time. Yeah, I do because they give me. They're going to be more entertaining than the super late models. Sorry, I said it. So are the LKQ Superstocks. They're twenty five lapper. We got a couple guys coming from out of town. That look, they know that they're going to just. They're they're going to be there. They're making a tour of the state. They want to race all the tracks, and I appreciate that effort. And maybe they'll have a good night. Maybe they'll get lucky and something will happen. But I mean, there's going to be probably. 11, 12, 13 super stocks. There should be close to 20 bombers. I mean, I got 16 that I know of uh, confirmed. So not even worry about those divisions. Emons are are coming back. We got a handful of those guys registered. That should be a good competitive race. It'll be a lot of fun. Ground pounders are going to be the ground pounders. And I don't even worry about them because they always they always put on a, a good show. They turn up. They're racing for free. You can't get mad at the ground pounders if they have a bad night but they're going to have a good night. It's going to be a good show. The last couple shows at New Smyrna have been a little underwhelming. Maybe we're not going to have the biggest field of Super Lay models, but I, I promise you that the night as a whole will be good. So I got my rant over with, and I was honest with you, and I hope that when I get to the track on Saturday, I can say, oh, didn't expect him, didn't expect him. Oh, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. But the night's going to be great. So... If you do choose to come to New Smyrna this week, you know, if late models are your thing, maybe there's a, a, a better place to go. Just like like I told you a couple weeks ago with the Modifieds. Um, but if you're looking for a good overall experience for the night, then New Smyrna is going to be a good one for you. Yeah, it's 25 bucks to get in, which... Uh, here's my last thing. If you don't get over 10 late models, can you honestly look yourself in the mirror and charge people 25 bucks to get in, at least going forward? So I'll put that out there. But I think you'll get your money's worth regardless, even if it's because of the bombers and the super stocks. Maybe it'll be the emods who do something crazy. Maybe it'll be the ground pounders. Remember, we put a ground pounder through the infield wall one time. So, anywho, that's uh, that's what it's looking like for the Spring Fling 100 super stocks, uh, bombers 50, emods, and ground pounders all in the schedule. It'll be a big night. It'll be great. And um, I, I can't wait to recap it next week because I, I can't wait to kind of take what I've said on this show and put it into perspective. It, it's easy to predict, you know, and, and, and know, you know, what you think is going to happen. But it always it's always different when you look at the show from what actually happened. So we'll, we'll cover it all next week, of course. But that's, uh, that's what I had to say about New Smyrna this week. Um, before we go to break, let's touch on the second part of... Uh, you know, pretty interesting title this week. I'm trying to get creative with these titles so people want to click on it and be like, what the hell is he talking about? Um, so we talked about the the rotten eggs, right? With the Easter tie-in with the Bad Bunny. So how about these dirty slide jobs, huh? Bristol dirt. Well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept. Um, the first year with the rain and then the race running on Monday and it kind of being a single groove track as they tried to figure out what to do. It wasn't terrible. wasn't the most thrilling race last year. Didn't hate it by any means. Um, was a little more excited for it this year with the with the progressive banking and thought maybe we'd see some lines. But um, 
overall, I just don't think that we need to be racing these cup cars. If you want to do it with the trucks, whatever. Um, I, I don't think we need to be racing these cup cars on dirt. And I have a couple of reasons why. Uh, when you start the race without running the track in, like like they did on, on uh, Sunday night, you you run the risk of those cars overheating and looking like 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 Kevin Harvick was not wrong. They look like a bunch of buffoons. What they should have done is split the field up into four groups, run five hot laps, and then bring the cars down to pit road, cool them off for ten minutes, and then start the race. Run the track in. Nobody overheats. Your track's in good racing shape from the get go, and then we race. How hard would that be to do? I mean, we've already taken away live pit stops. You've already run heat races. You know. That, that's just what I would do to, to keep everybody on a level playing field because it screwed the pole sitter Cole Custer, it screwed Kevin Harvick, it screwed a couple other guys out of their track position, and then NASCAR has to throw a competition caution on lap 15 to bring everybody to clean their grills. That kills the momentum of the race, it makes you look stupid, and it just proves these cars don't need to be on freaking dirt. The race itself, while entertaining and interesting in its own right, was not the best race. Uh, I am going to grade this thing in, in our grading scale that we've been using the last couple of weeks, but they're just, there was like one or two guys in particular. Chase Briscoe had a rocket ship. He passed the most cars by far, and he was fun to watch. But as far as actual passing through the field, after after the green flag went out and everybody got in their lane, they were around the top, high line, single file, not a whole lot of passing. It wasn't impossible like Martinsville, but it just wasn't really the best for racing. I would have rather watched um, 500 laps on the concrete, hands down. I still wish we had two 500-lap races at Bristol on the concrete because I feel like that would be more enjoyable. Now, yes, weather would have screwed that up. Weather did screw up this race, and it did kill the momentum. And then you had, at the end of Stage 2, when we knew it was going to rain, you had this debacle where Chase Briscoe pitted, Kyle Busch stayed out, but Chase Briscoe, even while on pit road, was still scored the leader. If it had washed out at that point, Briscoe to one, Kyle Busch, who's actually still on the track in the lead, going to be the leader at the restart. But we had a running order and a restart order, and the running order trumped the restart order. I don't understand why there's so much confusion about people not understanding. You know, they had to go through this explanation, and people still didn't get it. It's pretty simple, cut and dry, how the scoring was frozen, but the restart lineup was going to be this when we restart. And speaking of Eaton Crow, I made a tweet after the second, uh, after the rain delay, and we went to the third stage. Kyle Bush led the field to green, and he did not stay in the lead and did not lead a lap. And I made a tweet because I am not a Kyle Bush fan. I despise Kyle Bush. And I was like, ha, huh. after all that, Kyle Bush never officially led a lap. Well, guess what? He led one damn lap, and it was the most important one. And man, oh man, the finish of this race was great. It was classic. And you know, we're going to see it for years and years and years, whether they run dirt for a long period of time or not. This will be a finish that'll be all over YouTube, all over highlight reels, because you had Tyler Reddick trying to hang on on the last stint of the race for his first career win. You got Chase Briscoe, who I said, and if you watch the race, you know this, had the best car and he was coming. Get down to the white flag. Tyler Reddick is half a mile away from his first uh, cup win. It would have been our fourth first time winner of the year, unprecedented. But then they go into turn three. And freaking Chase Briscoe pulls a slide job that was just, it wasn't going to work. He, he admitted, I was spinning out as I got into the corner, and the move wasn't going to work. And then he spun out, 
came up the track, took out Tyler Reddick, and I got to give the Richard Cranium Award of the Week to Chase Briscoe for that slide job because if you're going to slide job somebody or you're going to go for it, make sure one of you wins the race. And neither the 8 or the 14 won, and that opened the door for that damn 18 to come from three seconds, four seconds back and win the race. So two drivers that I really like and would have been, I was rooting for Reddick to get his first win to give us another new winner on the year. And if Briscoe would have won, that would have given him two wins. That would have put him up in the mix as far as the playoffs with the with the bonus points. But neither one of them won. They both spun out. It was a stupid move for Briscoe. I wish, you know, he could have done it to where they were just rubbing doors and it was one of those epic at the line, you know, crashing finishes to the line. But instead, they spun out in turn four and Bush is able to come through. And it still pains me to watch because you see Reddick get his car straight and then just kind of pussyfoot it to the line. If he would have just gunned it and got up into the racing groove and maybe even blocked Kyle Busch, maybe would have had a Ricky Stenhouse, Carl Edwards-type Iowa finish where they're cra- where those two are crashing coming across the line. And then you got to see who won. But, I mean, it was a thrilling finish. It just didn't go the way I wanted it to. Kyle Busch fans like Frank, our buddy Frank Button, are rejoicing. And good for them. So let's score this thing. And I'll be honest with you, I, it, Bristol Dirt with the with the ratings that it got, the the stadium was not full. I don't know if it being Easter or the weather kind of killed the attendance, or people were just leaving sporadically throughout the event because of the weather. I don't know, but it just wasn't full. But the TV ratings are what anybody cares about anymore, and that's where the tracks make their money from the TV deal. So it's staying around. Bristol Dirt is at least happening next year, so we have to live with it. But let's score this year's race on the the grading scale that we use, where we. Give a numerical value to the racing, to the excitement, the finish, the lead changes, my overall enjoyment. So yes, this is some of them have are subjective, and some of them do have a, a static score that we use. But on the racing aspect, I gave it a five because I thought you know it was cool to see him on dirt. You could sling it around a little bit. Couple you know, couple guys yawning out sideways. It was cool to see. So I'm kind of like right in the middle. But the overall like how good was the racing? Right in the middle. So a five. Excitement, I give it an eight because it, it was very exciting at, at points. There was with the weather in the area, it did make like when Daniel Suarez is trying to hang on and get the and hang on to the lead as we're approaching halfway with weather imminent. There was a lot of exciting moments throughout the race because you never knew when exactly it might end. So that that definitely helped. Uh, there were some wild crashes. I mean, we almost flipped a car, which is cool. Um, the finish, I give it a nine. I would have given it a ten, like if Briscoe or Reddick would have been able to win, but with Kyle Busch winning took it down just one point for me. Uh, lead changes, this is what killed the race. I was a little bit surprised because there was some good side by side racing a few laps after the restart, which helped the racing aspect of this. And I thought there was a couple more lead changes. There's only six. Martinsville had five. That got it a one. Six gives it a two. And then overall enjoyment because of the stoppages, because of the weather because of who won the race, because of how long it took, um, and, and just the fact that I don't think we need to be doing this dirt thing. I gave it a six. Average that all together. Average those five scores together. It actually comes out overall as a six. The last couple of races, a 1.4 at Martinsville, a 5.2 at Richmond. So at least this race was more enjoyable than the last couple of short track races. So a six for Bristol Dirt brings our season total up to a 6.64 out of 10. So we're running at about a 66%. Not bad, but I, I we started off so strong. And we've, we've fallen here the last few weeks. But Talladega coming up, um, that race should easily be 
an eight or nine based on what we saw at Daytona and Atlanta. I expect a good race. Should be a lot of fun. Definitely looking forward to covering that next week. Uh, but in my opinion, go back to Bristol Concrete. If you want to run dirt, I'd rather Tony Stewart and NASCAR bury their little arguments, get their egos out of the way. And I'd rather see trucks, Xfinity, and Cup all at the dirt and that be our dirt weekend and then we're done with it. That's it. That's all we need. Just one weekend just so we have that one extreme outlier because it is interesting. It's so different. It's interesting. But I'd rather see it at a real dirt track. Give me my two Bristol Concrete races back and I'll be happy. So we are going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be back on the other side. We'll go around the state, a couple of other tracks in action including the Wheelman series, some super late action over at Citrus. So we'll cover that, plus the stuff at New Hampshire on the other side. <laughs> Once again, we'd like to thank our great sponsors, American Auto Tire and Service, located down there in New Smyrna Beach, right on the uh, right on A1A. It's like 10 minutes away from the New Smyrna Speedway. Of course, you see American Auto on the side of the pace car every weekend. E.J. Wilcoxon, our pace car driver slash tire manager slash tire seller slash whatever else they need him to do until midnight because he clocks out at midnight. Um, but big thank you to EJ, big supporter of mine for a long, long time and supporter of the show. So American Auto Tires and Service. If you're in the New Smyrna area or if you find yourself on that side of town, make sure you stop by American Auto, um, especially if you're traveling for World Series or some of the big events and you know you want to tune up on your car before you get home, stop in. They will take care of you. And let them know you heard about them here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Also, big thank you to 124 Welding and Fabrication, Ron D'Alessandro, the president of the Florida Southern Ground Pounder Division. Um, that is his company, and uh, he helps a lot with, with working on these race cars to keep them going. So if you need any uh, any welding work done, of course, stop by, uh, check with Ron, get with him. And also, Ron does metal work as well, and uh, lots of great decorations. I mean, it's perfect for your man cave. Um, it is perfect for decorating the house, stuff for outside, or it makes great gifts as well. So check out his Etsy store, 124 Welding and Fabrication on Etsy. Uh, he can make you some great, great stuff. It, it's it's great. We, we've given family members uh, some of his work, and they absolutely love it. Because it's not just like you can go buy at Walmart or at Hobby Lobby or something like that, but actually handcrafted metalworking from 124 Welding and Fabrication. Those are our great sponsors. If you'd like to be part of the show it's simple. Just let me know that you are interested in, in sponsoring. $5. If you have a race team, a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, a company, um, you know, if you make something, and you, like if you make beef jerky or you have a homebrew or something you want to advertise and do it cheaply, $5 an episode. If you just want to support the show, I'll take that too and shout you out. Um, so again, it's that easy to be part of the show. Uh, we get thousands of, of clicks on this show. E- even the the down shows that aren't all that exciting still get thousands of people uh, that will hear your product or your company or your name or your race team. Just let me know. Five bucks an episode. We'll get you set up. <laughs> all right. So let's take a look at what went down around the state. We've covered New Smyrna. We've covered Bristol. We had, let's see, one, two, two other tracks in the area that were in action. And they had some big racing. Uh, I'm sorry, three other tracks. I, I forgot about Citrus. Three other tracks. Uh, Wheelman Series at Auburndale. So let's go ahead and start there. 75 laps for the sportsman. Go back a few episodes. Go to the Ricky Brooks episode. 
It is night and day what happened this week versus the first wheelman race. It was a wreck fest. It got cut. The laps got cut. Uh, nobody was really happy. Now, I mean, it's Auburndale. Stuff still went down, but it was nowhere near as bad. It was very professional a race for the wheelman series. 23 cars. I expected, man, you would expect 30 or so at these races. But, but I think they did lose a few cars to the twin 50 lap races over at 417. So within a couple hours, you had Wheelman in twin 50s. I mean, if you're not running for the Wheelman, maybe you feel like you're going to have two better shots at a good night down at 417, so it makes sense to go there. 23 at uh, at four, at uh, Auburndale, and I think they had 11 or 12 over at 417. So, I mean, I know there's more sportsmen in the state than that total, so I don't know where everybody else was, but hey, it is what it is. Um, 23 cars and a first-time winner, Keith Lilly, picks up the win over his teammate, Tyler Schofield. So the Schofields, uh, they, they came out strong. They seem to be one of the, the big forces right now uh, as far as the Wheelman Series goes. And th- this race was a lot better, guys. I think Ricky Brooks uh, would be very happy about the way things went down. Um, 23 starters, 12 of which, so about half the field, finished on the lead lap, and then down to about 16th position was only one lap down. And those are the guys that, that finished the race. So 15 of the 23 finished, which is not bad. Um, only a couple of guys out early. So there was obviously some action. I mean, Ricky Anderson only finished 34 laps. Dodge Carlbert Brookstore also did not finish. So some big names did not finish the race. But night and day compared to the last Auburndale race. So the Wheelman Series, Ricky Brooks has these guys heading in the right direction. So great turnout, all things considered. Um, I mean... Dude, you put 23, 25 cars on the track at Auburndale to full field, okay? So while I think that based on what Wheelman is doing, and it's a great thing for the sportsman guys, there should be 30-plus cars at these races each week. So, uh, you know, but but again, we're, we're living in a tough time, so we'll, we'll cut them a break. Uh, Keith Lilly, your winner ahead of Tyler Schofield. Brandon Morris, the champion of Auburndale Speedway from last year, finished in the third spot. Adam Briggs was fourth. Kevin Macy, fifth. Tim Sozio, winner at New Smyrna a couple weeks ago, was sixth. Jake Perkins in seventh and eighth was Devin McLeod. Ninth was Matt Green and Joe Winchell, your top ten. Other divisions that ran um, pure stocks. They started, or they had 19 of them show up, started 17. James Wright in that beautiful number 56. Camaro was the winner over Levi Hobbs, Brandon Ducher, Bobby Mobley, Matt McCrary, the top five for the pure stocks. Scramblers, good field, 20 cars took the green flag, and it was Dustin Kirkland in the 95 Cavalier who was the winner over TJ Cruz, Bray Ganey. Uh, William Witherington, what a name that is, was fourth, and fifth was John Sh- uh, Sofield. So great field of Scramblers, which are the Bomber A-type cars over there. So good to see that uh, Auburndale, man, what a great turnout for Auburndale. Crown Vicks, they had 10 cars show up. Chris Rummel was the winner there. So it looks like a good night of racing and a great race for the Wheelman Series. Ooh, if you go back to Citrus, a couple of uh, a couple of races ago, they um, they put on a great race over there as well. Let me see. Let me let me give me give me just a minute as I try to knock my microphone over. Um, I'm going to find the Wheelman points here because we do want it since that is a series. We do want to uh, want to take a minute there and see where everything stacks out. So give me a second while I do this live. That way I don't have to do a whole bunch of editing. 
Um, by the way, the next Wheelman Series race will be May the 14th over at the Citrus County Speedway, and we'll head on over there next. So let's see. Wheelman points after three races. Tyler Schofield is up by just four points over Jake Perkins and Kevin Macy. Um, so very close race. Sitting fourth is Brandon Morris. He is only um, he's only six points back. So very close race between the top four. Devin McLeod rounding out the top five, followed by Tim Sozio, Adam Briggs, old Steve Barnes sitting eighth in points, James Seawright, and Ricky Anderson, your top ten. So we talked about points a lot last year. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Only 12 drivers have entered all three races, a total of 42 have made at least one start. So it'll be interesting to follow. Three out of, I believe, eight scheduled races. The next one, again, coming up, Citrus County Speedway on May the 14th. So let's head on over now, just talking about Citrus County Speedway, where the wheelman will be at next. Super late models over there at Citrus for a 50-lapper. Okay, 16 cars, super late models, 50-lapper. That's good, but... I expected better. I really did. Uh, there are some interesting names in the super late model ranks that you wouldn't expect, a la AJ Waller and Peanut Waller. Don't expect those guys in super lates. They normally run the uh, the pure stocks or the outlaw stocks, whatever whatever they run. I can't remember. Um, so 16 cars of Citrus when they ran unopposed, and then I'm going to rewind back to when I was talking three classes or three tracks running super lates: Showtime, Auburndale. And there was a lot of Auburndale cars here at Citrus this week. And um, and Showtime, New Smyrna, all running super lights. And they only got 16 by themselves at Citrus, which, as what everybody tells me, and from my own experiences, is an awesome, awesome racetrack where you would think a lot of people would want to go race. So where was everybody? Everybody else. This is still good. 16 cars at Citrus going to put on a fine show. So just, again, just putting that out, out there to ponder. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Kristen Clements, who made the trip over from the Auburndale Speedway, her home track. She finished third. She qualified well and finished third. Um, but Jared Irvin, who's kind of got a stranglehold on Citrus right now, he took the win over Patrick Staropoli. Kristen Clements was third. Michael Goddard, fourth. Scott Grossenbacher rounding out the top. Good run for old Scott Grossenbacher in the 0-9. Kendall Anderson was sixth. Brighton Horner, seventh. Keith Rogan, eighth. Keith Zavril, ninth. Rounding out the top ten. A.J. Waller. So... Again, like I said, just uh, some some drivers that you normally see over at, at Auburndale, which you can expect to see them for the twin races this weekend, including Kristen Clements, uh, Kendall Anderson, most likely Brighton Horner. Um, Abigail Jonas went over there. Chase Lovelady went over there. Robert Jonas went over there. So, again, very interesting mix of cars. But looking at the list, I'm telling you, I will be absolutely shocked to see any of those drivers at New Smyrna this weekend. So, I just... I, I get it, and I don't get it at the same time. So, anyway, what else ran at Citrus? We had the uh, Mini Cups. Kendall Wheeler in the 22 was the winner. Nine nine Mini Cups. That's not bad. So, Kendall Wheeler wins that one. Uh, Ford Outlaws. They ran 20. They had 22 show up. So, again, both Auburndale and Citrus running the Ford Outlaws. New Smyrna had an Enduro where these Ford Outlaw-type cars would have been eligible to race more than likely. And you only you get 16 at New Smyrna, and you get 10 at Auburndale, you get 22 at Citrus. But Keith Zavril, super late model guy, man, these super late model guys are and sportsman guys are starting to go to these Crown Vicks. It must be a lot of fun. Uh, Keith Zavril, the winner, 
Um, and again, they started a whole bunch of those cars. So always a good time. The, the Ford Outlaws are, are kind of like the super stocks over at, at New Smyrna. You're never going to be disappointed with the Ford Outlaws. Uh, pure stocks, 14 cars. So that division's kind of level, leveling out a little bit. But Cleve Lewis in the four was the winner over Wes Wilson, Jonathan Appleby, Tyler Pernesti went out there, and Cody Struble, the top five in the pure stocks. They ran mini stocks, which are like the Scrambler type Bomber A sort of cars. They had 11, and Jason Simons was the winner over Justin Pittman. Legends, 13 Legends cars, not bad. Willie Cuddy, oh, Willie Cuddy over there getting the win over Sean English in the Legends. And Street Stocks, those Outlaw Street Stocks, 10 of those. Cody Struble, the winner over Jonathan Appleby and Joe Girard in the Street Stock feature. So, again, um, I feel like Auburndale, all things considered, had a little bit more solid a turnout than Citrus. But two good racetracks, two very similar racetracks, putting on what, on paper, now I'm judging this off paper, guys, uh, Based on what I'm looking at, seem like two really good shows. Moving on now to 417 Southern Speedway. They ran a Sportsman Twin 50s up against the Wheelman Series. And I know my, my buddy Austin got chewed out for bringing that up. And then I didn't get chewed out for bringing up uh, what I had to say about the Superlay model thing. It's just, it's frustrating. Because we all, we want all of these tracks to succeed. And I get it. You're going to have nights where things overlap. It is what it is. So let's move on. Um, so sportsmen with, with twin races, 12 sportsmen showed up to 417, 23, uh, over at the wheelman race and some names that I, you would normally expect to see like Chris Huntoon, Jeff Gilbo, Chad Rutherford, Steve Gill. Um, some of those guys, Corey Crisofoli, who was once involved with the wheelman series. He didn't even run the wheelman race. So you probably could have had your 27, 28, 30 wheelman cars if this wasn't going on. And maybe even vice versa with the twin races over at 417. But it is what it is. Oh, hey, they also ran Crown Vicks as well. Um, so Chad Rutherford, winner of feature number one. Dylan Bigley, the winner of Sportsman 50 number two. So feature one started 12. Feature two, due to attrition, only started eight. Hey, but it is what it is. Um, so congratulations to Chad Rutherford and Dylan Bigley getting wins down there. Dylan Bigley, of course, that's his home track at 417. He can win there in a late model, a modified, a sportsman. I'll give him a crown bit. He'll go win that too. They ran mod minis. Dean Butram, the winner over Jeff Firestone. Rachel Rudolph had a good run. We've talked to her on the show before. She was third. Eddie Rabin, fourth. And Autumn Christie, fifth. Uh, V8 Pure Stocks, only nine showed up, seven started the feature. Logan Allen, the winner over Chris Loney, Jeff Gilbo Jr., Todd Ansel, and Cole Cawthorn. Mini Stocks, only four mini stocks. Where are the Crown Vicks? I didn't see the Crown Vic, uh, don't have the Crown Vic finishes on here, but it says they ran Crown Vicks. No, I'm sorry, no, I, I apologize. That is their next event. They have Crown Vicks coming up next. So my apologies, my apologies. Mini Stocks. Greg Simons Jr., the winner in a four-car race. So that was a look at what went on around the state. Um, it, it seems like everybody had respectable shows, um, and, and nobody can be, nobody should be disappointed at all for getting their shows and 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 making the most. Hell, we made the most of what we had at New Smyrna because I, I heard a lot of compliments and a lot of people. Hey, first time there, had a great time. So people seem to enjoy their racing this weekend. That is. At the end of the day, that's what we want, right? So, all in all, not bad. 
So let's flip the page and let's take a, a trip, oh, about 24 hours up north to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. That big one-mile flat oval up there, the Magic Mile, they ran a late-model-style event up there with, with modified street stocks. They had the ACT series. They had the Pass series. Um, I didn't get a chance to really watch this like I wanted to, but uh, the big news before we get, I'm going to cover the past race and the ACT race. The big news out of New Hampshire this weekend was Derek Griffith in the 12G, uh, two-time winner of the Super Late Model Championship at the World Series. He won a race at the World Series this year. He was a championship contender into the last race. His beautiful spot-on number 12 machine is now destroyed. I mean, absolutely destroyed. Uh, in a heat race, no less. They run heat races up there. Uh, for the late models as well, because guess what? These guys aren't afraid to race up there. They love it. Um, but man, he got clipped going into turn number one. Well, actually, um, a car in front of him got clipped going into turn number one. That car came up, collected Griffith, and his car shot off at like a right angle straight on into the wall. And those walls at New Hampshire, they have kind of a a, a lean to them, if you will. They're, they're not exactly up and down. Um they do have a little bit of a launch ramp, kind of like Rockingham used to. And, man, he hit it at the worst possible angle. His car went upside down and landed on top of another one, and his day was done in the heat. So, yeah, there's the there's why you guys don't like running heat races, right? Um, but, man, it was a huge wreck. There is great video of it online. Just look up Derek Griffith Super Late Model Flip. You'll find it. Um, so Derek's day was done, but, man... What a crazy way to start. I guess we could give that, I can't, I don't know the guy's name who was involved, but give him a Richard Cranium Award too, would you, for not using his damn Richard Cranium. Anyway, on to the finish of the Super Late Model Pass race over at New Hampshire. Austin McDonald in the 13, that uh, that white, red, and blue Canadian number 13 that we've seen at Speed Weeks in years past. Yeah, we've seen Austin McDonald race at Speed Weeks in, in years past. He was the winner over Brandon Barker. They ran a 50-lap race, by the way. Uh, Joe Pastore was third. Fourth was Justin Larson. Not that Justin Larson. Eddie McDonald rounding out the top five. Let's see if we have some, some names you guys might recognize in the field at all. Uh, you should recognize some of those guys in the top five. Um, Joey Pohl was in there. Ben Rowe was in there. Uh, they started 31 cars in this race, though. So absolutely phenomenal turnout. You know, I, I wanted to be like, why are we running these type of cars in New Hampshire? It should be like Modifieds and Cup and Xfinity, and we should run trucks there too. Um, but hey, New Hampshire has one cup weekend now, so they've filled it with this, and the turnout tells me this is exactly why they're racing there. Yeah, if you wreck there, it's going to be bad. It may not be the safest thing for late models on a big track like this. It's not what late models were designed to race on, but hell, they made it work. So kudos to New Hampshire for filling up this race weekend and, and doing a good job with it. Um, the American Canadian tour, which are kind of like prolates or maybe even more like sportsman type cars with the late model bodies. They, um, they showed up, they had, let's see, 32 cars show up for the ACT late model race. And the race was won by, I'm getting a bunch of text messages, so I'm, I'm distracted here, but the race was won by Derek Gluhaki. In zero three car, Tom Carey finished in second. Old oh, Patrick LaPearl, that's a name you should recognize from Speed Weeks. He finished in third. DJ Shaw was fourth. Dylan Moltz was in fifth. Some other notables, Ben Rowe, seventh. 
Um, man, I, I'm so I'm so out of who is who in ACT anymore. But Jimmy Hebert, uh, he's a big name. He was 15th. Uh, Derek Ming was 20th. Raphael Lassard, we've seen him. We've seen him at Speed Weeks and the Governor's Cup before. He was 21st. Um, Rich Debu, former champion, was 24th. Mike Hopkins, who ran Speed Weeks with a Prolate model. So I guess that kind of tells you these cars are similar to Prolate models. He was 26th. But a good turnout. Seemed like a great week in a race. And they have they had modified street stocks, some other things on there too, but it's kind of hard to find results for. So I kept it at the late models. And um, yeah, it looked like a good turnout. It looked like a lot of fun. I know my father was over there working the, the, the pit gate for ACT. So he was there, but he didn't see anything. He told me somebody flipped. His response was, car flipped. Don't know who it was, but wanted to tell you a car flipped. So that was the reporting I got from New Hampshire from my father. Um, he also works the gate at Thunder Road as well. Um, I, I don't know how my dad, of all people, who's a huge race fan, can stand working at a racetrack and not see the racing, but I, I think he, he he's not a people person unless he's at a racetrack, so I guess he enjoys the people there. But uh, shout-out to my dad. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing all this racing stuff. So, um, yeah, it looked like a good start for the American-Canadian Tour. I will be talking a little Thunder Road, a little ACT on this podcast. Um, if you have Flow Sports, Flow Racing, um, definitely watch all of Stafford and watch all of Thunder Road. You will get your money's worth. And that's how I'll be following Thunder Road on Thursday nights. So I'll have a little bit more to talk about. Maybe get some of those uh, some of those listens up north. And planning, little secret here, planning to go to the Vermont State Governor's Cup race over at Thunder Road featuring Brad Kozlowski racing one of these ACT late model cars. Uh, planning to make the road trip up there this summer. Um, for Peyton's first birthday. So hoping to make it up there if all goes well. We'll, of course, cover that on the show. But that's a look at what went on around the state and uh, a, a look, a highlight at some of the bigger races going on. Um, I mean, I, I wish I could be everywhere all at once. I wish I could split myself up in, into a million pieces and go to all these tracks to give you better coverage. But, hey, that's what one person can do on their own, right? So anyways... Appreciate you guys listening. On next week's show, we'll, we will cover the Florida Sunbelt Series race number one. We'll see how all three super late model tracks did. I'm going to give you my predictions. I think Showtime gets 11. I think New Smyrna gets 8. And I think well, Auburndale is going to have 18 total for their Twin 50s. That's my predictions. We'll see. We'll see how good we do. Uh, we'll check in on the races over at Citrus. Some, some news out of Citrus. Uh, Tony Modica uh, due to some family stuff, he has to move back up north. So Austin Griffiths will be taking over as the sole announcer over there. Um, I know he can, we were kind of talking about it. And if uh, if we ever have a rain out or an off weekend, I might get an opportunity to go to announce over there with him. We've announced together at New Smyrna. We always have a good time. We seem to work well together. So it would be fun. That would be another track I could check off my Florida track bucket list here. Um, so maybe that'll happen one of these days. It'll be a lot of fun to go over to Citrus and, and call some races with Austin. Uh, so a little bit of news out, out of there, but we'll cover Citrus. We'll cover Auburndale, Showtime, 417, all the usual stuff. And of course, we'll cover Talladega. We'll, we'll grade that race all on next week's show. And, uh, you know, I, if, if anyone wants to be on the show, all you got to do is let me know. I'll gladly interview anybody. So anyways, thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the racetrack. Get out there, support any of these tracks this weekend. Watch some Talladega, and uh, we'll talk all about it next week. Take care, everyone.